0: This sicha is a seum a on Masechta Eirivin, and it's connected with a possek in the parasha. The Rebbe starts off the Sikha by saying that on the possek Al Yete koime a person shouldn't go out from his place by Yom on the seventh day. That Azal tell us, and Rashi brings this. Eilu Al Payim This refers to the two thousand Amos one shouldn't go out two thousand Amos in Shabbos. That means from this possek we learn out the Iser, the prohibition. To go out of the Tchum of 2,000 Amis out of the city, out um, on Shabbos. Now in regards to the dinim of Tchum Shabbos, there's a machloikas of Rab Shimon and Rabbonon, in Mesechta Erevin, in the end of Peirig This is what the Mishnah says. Someone that started off Shabbos, outside the Tchum. So he was outside the city. According to the first opinion of the Mishnah, even if he's just one Aml, outside the Tchum Shabbos. So that means... He is 2,001 Amois outside the city. He's not allowed to go in to the Tchum, so he wouldn't be allowed to enter the Tchum, and not allowed to enter the city on Shabbos. Reb Shimon says that even up till 15 Amois past the Tchum Shabbos, past the marker of the Tchum Shabbos, he is allowed to go in. Reb Shimon's reasoning is in the Mishnah, because the people that measured the Trumshabas Shabbos, that took, put the markers there, didn't put it in the accurate place, in the exact place of the end of the Trum Shabbos, because of people po- possibly making a mistake, in other words, that have shimen holds. That when they would measure and mark off the place of where the 2000 Amorites is, they weren't very, very precise and accurate to put it at the very end of the 2000 Amorites. Rather, they would bring it in a little bit, approximately around 15 Amois, so that people that don't know exactly where it is, where the 2000 Amois ends, and they think that it's, in other words, they went a little bit past, so they still are within the area of which they would be permitted to to go back. So they went, and they went back, and they possibly went a little bit far, so we give them this extra leeway, so to speak. And therefore, if a person started off Shabbos just after the Tchum, as long as he's within these 15 Amois that's past the marker of the Tchum Shabbos, he is allowed to go in because what we're saying is that in truth, he is really within the 2,000 Amois of the Tchum. This logic of Rav Shimon, this reason of Rav Shimon, is told to us as a klal, as a general rule, much further in the Masechta, in the very, very last mishnah of the Masechta, in the end of Perekut. And this is where Rab Shimon says. Reb Shimon says the following words, which we're going to try to understand afterwards what they mean. But let's first start off with a simple meaning. Rab Shimon says, the place where the chachamim have allowed you, the place where the what they really gave you was something that belonged to you from the outset. Because the only thing they permitted for you was that which was a shavus. What does this mean? So the Gemara explains that Abshiman is coming over here to explain the reason for two different halachis. The first part of Abshimen's statement, Mokem She chachamim is referring back to this din that we were discussing about the Tchum Shabbos. That if someone started off Shabbos outside the Tchum, Reb Shimon says that even if it's up till 15 Amos, he could enter the Tchum. He's explaining in the current Mishnah, the end of the Mesechta, that be, this is because this area, this space of the 15 Amos is really belongs to you anyways. You are really allowed to be there. Because it's within the tshum shabbos, these fifteen amos really weren't past the tshum, and therefore, what the chachamim are giving you, mishalcha nasnu what they gave you is really what belongs to you, and therefore, you Therefore, you could go in to the to the Tchum shabbos as long as it's within the fifteen amos. You're really within the tshum shabbos, and that's why the chachamim are allowing you to go in. The next part of the mishnah, when Abshimin says. They all the chachavim allowed you was elomishim only that which is a shmos is referring to another mishnah, which is earlier on in Peiruk Yud. The mishnah there is referring to tying a string in the Beis Hamikdash. And in the Beis Hamikdash, you would be allowed to tie a string. This is referring to a broken string of, a, of an instrument, but not outside the Beis Hamikdash. That's if it broke on Shabbos. If you're tying it like a you wouldn't be allowed, even in the Beis HaMiktosh. Whereas Reb Shimon says, in a baraisa, which the Gomorrah brings, Reb Shimon says on Ben Levi, she where the first Tana says, like what the Gomorrah just said, what the Mishnah just said, that if a Levi's harp broke, the string broke, you would be allowed to make a knot, you would be allowed to tie it. Comes along Reb Shimon and says, no, you could only make a bow, a slip knot." What's the reason? So now in the end of the Masechta, which we quoted before, here is what the Mishnah is telling us why we're allowed to do it. What does this mean? The Gemara explains that when it comes to a bow, since there's no way this is going to bring you to doing an Avera medoyrai, So you'll never be Chayiv Chatos. From making the bow. Therefore the Chachamim are allowing you. To do that on the harp. Whereas making a knot. Which could bring to a Chayiv Chatos. Here the Chachamim wouldn't allow. And this is what he was saying. tiru What exactly is he saying? What's And what's the connection? Between these two statements. So the Rebbe brings now Rashi and Toisvas. So Rashi explains like this. Rebbe Shimon is telling the Tanakama. Even though I was lenient when it comes to the person starting off Shabbos outside the Tchum. Nevertheless, nevertheless I'm going to be strict when it comes to the string on the harp. Why is that? Because over there, in the case of Tchum Shabbos, what the Chachamim allowed you to go into the Trum Shabbos was only that which was yours anyways. You were anyways within the Tchum Shabbos. But over here, in the case of the bow, the only thing that they would allow you to do is only something that's a Shvus. So only something that's would they would they would they allow you to do it. Whereas Toisva says, Toisva says the following: In the previous case, in the case of the Tchum Shabbos, it wasn't really even a leniency, because what the Chachamim are allowed allowing you to go in belongs to you anyways. Says Reb Shimon, the same things over here. What the Chachamim are allowing you to do is something that you're allowed to do anyways, which means the bow, the slip knot, which you would, which you would be allowed to do anyways. In other words, according to Teisus, both of these halachos are really the same reasoning. That the hachomim are only allowing you to do what you would be technically allowed to do anyways. In the case of Chum Shabbos, the 15 Amos is anyways really part of the 2,000 which you'd be allowed. It's not an extra 15 Amos. In the case of the bow, you're not being allowed to do anything that you would be allowed to do anyways because you're allowed to make a bow on Shabbos. So the Rebbe says we need to understand both Rashi and Toesus. According to Rashi, what is the connection between these two halachis? What did Rashi say? That even though I was lenient in the case of Tchum Shabbos, nevertheless, over here, I'm being strict. Says the Rebbe, what's the connection between two different dinim that have seemingly no connection to each other, that because of that, Rav Shimon, is telling us that I am strict in one din, and I'm lenient in the other. Would we think that just because I'm lenient in the din of Tchum Shabbos, that makes me be more strict. That's why I should be lenient in the tying of the knot of the Beis HaMikdash. that Abishman has to say that even though I am lenient over here, I'm still going to be strict over here. According to Toysavos, we need to understand Taizvah says that it's the same logic that makes me be lenient in the case of Tchum Shabbos as what's making me be strict in the case of the string. The question then is, all the Gemara had to say, all the Mishnah had to say that Rab Shimon says is, Makkahim She'itilu lecha, chachamim, Mishalcha, nasnu lecha. That the plate, the what, when the chachamim gave you a heter, it's only that which you could have done anyways. There's nothing more that needs to be added. That same reasoning is the reason why Rav Shimon is going to be machmir by the broken string. That he's telling you, sorry, you cannot make a knot. The only thing you could do is something that you'd be allowed to do anyways, which is making the boat. So why does Rav Shimon need to add those words, that the only things Rav would allow you to be done is only something that's a Shavuos. By the way, just to clarify, um, didn't translate before the word shavuz. Shavuz is a term usually used when it comes to an iser that's only medir and on Shabbos. Where there's an extra rest that the Chachamim are placing on us on Shabbos. So why, again, isn't it enough that Shimon should just say the initial point that whenever the Chachamim allow you to do something, it's something that you would be allowed to do anyways. Especially that we know that the Lashon of the Mishnah, generally the Mishnah tries to be brief. And the brief Expressions of the Mishnah will include many, many details. So why do we, why does he have to add these words? Another question, which is more of a general question. These words of Rab Shimon, that we just quoted, are at the very end of a Mishnah that's actually discussing a completely different halacha. The halacha of a sharet, of a dead sheretz that was found in the Beis HaMikdash, which seemingly has no connection at all to these other halachis that we just brought. So therefore, either this statement of Rabbi Shimon, which was a reason for two different halachis, one of Perek Daland one earlier in Perek Yud, should have either been placed next to one of those Mishnas, or if placing it over here at the end of the Mesechta, at least in a mishnah for itself. In order to explain this, the Rebbe says, we're first going to look at a general idea that it says that mitzvah lachzoir bein bein achar shitufei which means that it's actually a mitzvah to make what's called an Eiru Eruv Eruchatzeris is when you have a situation of different courtyard of a courtyard with many, many different houses, and you need to make an Eruv out of food so that the different houses could um carry within the shared property. Shitufi Mavois is a similar sort of idea when it's a bunch of courtyards and they share one alley. So again, they need to participate in food so that the different courtyards could all use that shared alley. But the hala but it says it says in Svarim that it's actually not only you are allowed to do it, but mitzvah lachs, that it's actually a, a, a good idea to make such a native. What's the reason for this? So one of the reasons is is because it's for the benefit of the person that he could then stroll and carry his food over there. And all of that is a mitzvah. There's a concept of a karosel, a Shabbos. We want to make that Shabbos should be in an enjoyable way. So the Rebbe applies the same idea over here. That because of Oynik Shabbos, there would actually be a mitzvah to try to be within the city or within the tchum of the city, within the area of the city. So that you can walk there, that you can bring things in the whole area of the city and the 2,000 Amway surrounding it in all directions. Because if a person is stuck, stuck so to speak, outside the Tchum Shabbos, he's very, very limited in all of these areas. Clearly, this would be up, the opposite of Oinik Shabbos. Based on this, says the Rebbe, when Rebbe Shimon is discussing the idea of a person that started Shabbos Chutz L'Trum, Rav Shimon is not only saying, says the Rebbe, that he's allowed to go in if he's within the 15 Amois, but actually he should go in. There's an obligation for him to go in so that he shouldn't be missing out on the you know of Shabbos, which would be like an Isur. For the full 24 hours, he would be missing out on Einik Shabbos. If this is the way we look at it, says the Rebbe, now we could start understanding Rav Shimon's reasoning that it's all coming from one general nikkuda, and that is a, gen- a discussion that's a topic that's looked at in many many places of what outweighs which one is it the quality or the quantity? That means when you have a quantity but not so much quality. On the other hand, you have qu- you have quality with not so much quantity. Which one is more powerful? Which one is stronger? And Rabbi Shimon is looking at it that quantity is going to outweigh the quality. How does this work? So the Rebbe explains, based on what we just said, that Rab Shimon would say, ye konez, you should actually go into the city. Not only it's optional, you can go into the city, but you should go into the city. And we said, what's the reason for that? So that you shouldn't be having that isur of missing Oinig Shabbos. So now let's look at the opposite side of it. When a person is going to go in to the Tchum Shabbos, he is being over over here on something, on the idea of going outside of the Tchum, in other words, from outside of the Tchum to inside of the Tchum, and he's doing actually an action by doing it, just to clarify, even though we said before, this is, even though we said before, that technically he is within the Trum Shabbos. But it's not so straightforward. Meaning. Again it's not so clear in the Sikha. But this is from the Horus. From the General Mufar Adek, I just want to clarify. That. And Deneva points some of this out in the Horus as well. Even if Shimon would agree. That a person is not allowed Lechatchila. On Shabbos to go outside. Past the Tchum Shabbos. Into those 15 Amas. It's only if he started off Shabbos there. But. And there's many other reasons why those 15 Amos could still be problematic. So there is some issue over here of going through this area of the, these 15 Amos, which is, we're counting, as past the marker of Chum Shabbos. Now, this would definitely be a more serious thing than missing out on Oinig Shabbos by staying out in the place where he started out Shabbos. And furthermore, it's only Sheva al tasi; he's not even doing an action. And nevertheless, what does Reb Shimon hold? Rather go in, into the Tchum Shabbos. And why is that? Because that's only going to be for one moment, that Isur. Whereas when you're staying outside the Tchum, this is something that's continuing now over the whole Shabbos. And in Reb Shimon's opinion, the greater quantity is going to outweigh the quality. So even though in quality... There's a stronger Iser in the Tum Shabbos. Nevertheless, in the quantity, here you have a whole Shabbos missing out on Oinik Shabbos. Again, just to clarify, we're never discussing over here if the person was outside for sure out of the 2,000 Amos. We're speaking about that more questionable or gray area of the 15 Amos. Says the Rebbe in Sivgim, based on this, that the reason for Abshimen, that he holds that you should go in, is because the quality outweighs the the quantity outweighs the quality, we can now start understanding the connection between the two rules that Reb Shimon said in the reasoning for the two different halachos, he said, the place where the Chachamim allowed you is they only gave you that which is yours. And the other rule that we said that when the Chachamim allow you something, it's only Misham shvus something that's a D'Ravonim. How does it connect? So the Rebbe says, now let's look at the story with the harp. The two different ways how the harp could be fixed. Making a knot or making a bow. Here too, you will you will see that each one has in some way that it's more strict and more severe than the other. On the one hand, the idea of making a knot is clearly stricter because it could end up being a chi of chatos. So this is in quality. This is definitely definitely going to be a more severe union. Whereas a bow is only going to be a derabonon. Again, the Rebbe does not go into the sikh over here why making a bow at all is a derabonon. There's a number of different ways in the Gemara to understand that. The Rebbe doesn't discuss that over here. Perhaps it's the reason because if you're making the aniva with the intention, you're trying that it should last. So according to many, that would be considered ashram a etc., But the point is, so in the Aniva, it's only Medrabanon, because it's definitely easy to come apart and it's not going to be a permanent knot, says the Rebbe, but on the other hand, there is a certain stringency in the Aniva, in the bow, because since it's not going to last, it's very, very likely you're going to have to fix the harp, fix the string to make this bow a number of times. So what do we have over here? More in quantity. Because you're going to end up having to make this Israel Rabbanon a number of times. Whereas when you made that one time not, yes, you're doing the Isra, but it's only one time. So in other words, to solve this question, which should be done, the knot or the bow, seemingly would be the same question. Does quality outweigh quantity or the opposite? So now, one Rabbi Shimon told us in the previous halacha about a person outside the Tchum Shabbos should go in. And what was the reason we said? Because quantity is the one that outweighs. So what should he say over here by the harp? Seemingly, Rab Shimon should be the one that would say that you should dafka make a knot Because then you're going to have less in quantity. You're only going to have to do it one time. Like that person by the Tchum he's only going in one time. Rather than making a bow, because he's gonna to have to do it many, many more times. That's where Rabbi Shimon is coming to negate in this halacha. And he says, meaning <in Hebrew> to say, yes, it's true, I was more lenient when it came to the quality of the Iser of Tchum, because I wanted that you shouldn't have an Iser many, many times. But why over here am I being more strict when it comes to the quality of the nut versus the bow? It's because of the second statement that he says. Meaning to say, the only time I can allow such a thing is if the quality and the quantity are both in the same category. If they would both be the abundance, then I could say that quantity outweighs quality. In other words, if they both belong to the same kind of iser either they're both the iser or or both both the or where is it when it comes to the fixing of the Kinoir, of the harp? There's no way that the greater quantity of making a bow many times, which is only Medrabonon, that's definitely not going to outweigh the making a knot, which could bring you to the Yisr. And on the contrary... The echus, the quality of the isa, the will definitely outweigh the Rabbonon. And that's why. Reb Shimon says over here that we make a bowl and not a nut. The Rebbe goes ahead and brings a proof to this idea that we can't mix different kind of isurim and start weighing them against each other qu- quality and quantity. So the Alt-Rebbe it has a Halach and Shulchan You had a choyle, by sakana, a choyle that was critically ill. And he needs meat. We are a lot of shechtit for him on Shabbos. Now the Alter Rebbe says, hold on a second. Why don't we say, better have him eat from an animal that was killed by a guy, let's say, called a nevela, right? Or an, or an animal that died. Now this Iser would only be a lav, that means it's only a chiyuv of Malkus. And rather than being al Shabbos, which is an Iser skila, so why are we so sure that the Shechtan animal would be the best idea? So the al Rebbe gives a similar logic to what we said before. That by the Yisr nevela there's going to be an Yisr on every single kazayis the person is going to eat. So we have quantity. Whereas Shekhtah is only doing the Yisr at one moment. Even though it's a stricter thing. Because the Yisr is skilah. And nevertheless it's just for one moment. Says the Alter Rebbe. But now let's look at another case. Let's say a case where the choyle, the sick person, needs to have wine boiled up for him. And now the issue over here is that we may come to a situation of stam yenam, of a guy handling wine. So the Alter Rebbe says like this. Yemale Yisrael, a yid should be the one to fill up the wine in the pot. A goi then could go and cook it up. The Alter Rebbe says, because in this case, the most that could happen is that the goi may touch it, but that's going to be called Stamienum, which is only a Derabonon. So that's what the Alter Rebbe says. In other words, what does he say? That it's only when we compare two Isurim, that they're both midoy Raisa, for example, in the first case, Right, Nevela versus shechting on Shabbos. So we'll say that the quantity over here is going to be more strict than the quality of the isur of shechting on rights so or shechting on Shabbos, because it's only a one-time thing. That that's a better idea. Whereas when it comes to the isur of the Rabbonim, Stam Yeinom, which is again technically it's an union of. A become was more common because he's drinking every little bit of wine, or every, every time he drinks the wine, is going to be an isur. So here we'll say, that since there's a rice, a rice over here, that will outweigh the isur drabonon, and that's why we'll say, that the goy should cook it, and not the yid. Okay, says the Rebbe, based on all of this we can now connect it all also to the statement of Rav Shimon of of the Mishnah why this statement of Rav Shimon comes in the Mishnah at the end of the Mishnah that we said before of a sheretz of a dead sheretz that was found in the Beis mikdash, and why doesn't it come as a Mishnah for itself says the Rebbe because really this Mishnah itself is also dealing with the same issue is it quantity here we're going to be speaking about time wise Versus quality about the stringency of the actual isur itself. Or how great the isur is. So this is what the Mishnah is speaking about. We have a situation of a Sheretz that's found on the base Amikdash. So the first opinion says that the Koyin should immediately take out the Sheretz. He should use his Gartel, his, the Avnet that he wears. should take it out immediately so that there's, there's no situation of the Tumor being delayed. And staying longer in the Beisam Mikdash. That's what Rabbi Yoichanam says. Comes along Rabbi Yehuda and says, no, you should do it differently. You should use a wooden tongues. And the reason for that is because this wooden tongues wouldn't be Makabul Tumor. You don't want to have extra Tumor in the Beisam Mikdash. Even though it's going to take longer till you go find such a thing. What's the reason for this Machloika? It's the same idea. The first opinion is saying that to delay the tumor, that would be worse. So that's a matter of quantity, a lengthy time. Whereas the second opinion says, no, to have more tumor is worse. And therefore I want to have less things becoming Tomei in the base HaMikrash. In the next section of the Sichat, the Rebbe now moves on to Pnemi So that Says the Rebbe to explain the connection between these two rules of Rab Shimon and the difference between them. I'll be and based on this, we're also going to understand another reason why Rabbi Shimon holds that when we could allow the person to go into the Tchum Shabbos, we should allow them, we should tell them to go in. So the Rebbe says, explained in a number of places that the malacha of taking something out from one domain into another domain is considered in many, many ways the main idea or the main point, the, the, ultimate, the epitome, the strongest point, the Iker of all the Lama Melachis. Where do we see this? So the Rebbe starts off with a Medrash. There was a certain heretic that asked Rabbi Akiva, if it's like you say that Hashem honors Shabbos, then Hashem shouldn't make the wind blow on Shabbos, he shouldn't bring down rain on Shabbos, he shouldn't make the grass grow on Shabbos. So Rabbi Akiva responds with a mushal of the concept of Eruv. And taking out from different domains. And Rabbi Akiva says that we know that in one domain you wouldn't need to have an aid of to carry something out. As opposed to two different domains. And Rabbi Akiva goes on to say that for Hashem the whole world is his domain. It's all his. The question of course is that Rabbi Akiva is perhaps only answering how we could, the Hashem so to speak could carry from one domain to the other. Because the whole world is one domain for Hashem. But well, what about all the other Malachis? What about all the other types of work which have nothing to do with carrying from one Rishus to the other? So we must say that this Malachis of Aitzah really is the main nekuda symbolizes and really is the main nekuda of all the Malachis of Shabbos. As we'll soon see why that is. And it is the foundation, it's the root from which all the other Avis Malachis come and all the Tuldus and all the Shavus and and therefore, since Legabe Hashem, it's not possible the whole idea of taking out from one domain to the other, because the whole world is his. So therefore, once we're missing that yesoi, the basis for the, all the malachos, the reasoning for all the malachos, therefore, there's also no room for all the other malachos which branch out of that, as we'll soon see the explanation. But first, based on this, we can also explain why Masech the Shabbos starts off. The first Mishnah starts off right away with the Halachis of carrying from one domain to the other. Even though this is a Malacha that's counted when the 39 Malachis are mentioned in Peirik Zayid. This is counted as the last one. Seemingly Rabbeinu HaKadish should have first discussed the Malachis. And then start explaining them in order as the Mefarshim ask. And yet it starts off with the Malacha of carrying out. Because I said before this Malacha really is the main Akudah and the Yesoid for all the other Lamatas Malachis. How do we understand this? So the Rebbe says, the idea of Shabbos, as we know, it's called Shabbos Lavaya, a day that's completely for Hashem. Yom Tov, it says, is half for Hashem and half Lohem. but Shabbos is completely for Hashem. That means, the idea of resting on Shabbos, as it says in the Sfarim, is to set in our souls, to really get it inside of us, to inculcate the idea of the Amunah of Chidosh Olam, that the Elisha is the one creating the world, renewing the world that to created the world in Sheshit and on the seventh day Hashem rested, and the same thing today, and now Hashem continues creating the world all the time, Me I and Leish, during the six days of the week, and on Shabbos, on Shabbos of course it's in a different way, Shabbos Hashem is resting from the speech of the Asara HaMorris, and the highest is coming from the level of Mach Shavah, as it was on the first Shabbos, and therefore Hashem is the one and only, one in control over the world, the whole world is under His domain, and His Hashgach in other words, even though the world hell and hel concealment was in a way that there's room to make a mistake, that the world is just running its natural course chas Shalom as if there's no, as if there's no one running this show chas v'shaloim, as if there's more than one domain and more than one power in the world. There's domain of good and kedusha and the domain of bad and tumah. Nevertheless, when we fulfill the mitzvah of resting on Shabbos. We are setting in our minds this Emunah, this true knowledge that really the whole world is one Rishus. It's a Rishus Hayyachid. It's a Rishus, a domain of the Yechidah of Hashem, the one and only. If that's the case, we understand that when a person does Molochah on Shabbos, what's being caused is number one, a weakening in this general Emunah. And number two, Yishas Vashalim actually increasing... The Helen, all of this concealment and this mistake that chas v'shalem, there's more than one domain. In other words, being Mahal al Shabbos in any way really is like going out and taking something out from one rishus to the other rishus. Going out of the rishus hayachid and to bring out as if there's some other rishus over there. So in other words, this is really the quintessential idea of all the mulachas of Shabbos is taking things out of the rishus hayachid, of Hashem's domain says the Rebbe, this is what Rabbi Akiva was saying the whole world is his, since Legabi Hashem, of course, there's not Shaykh to be any sort of concealment from Hashem's perspective, on the real is that everything of the world, even that of evil and bad, is really all part of the Rishos and ultimately it will be revealed even down here, the truth, laosid Asid as the Medrash tells us, that laosid when a Mashiach comes, a person will want go and pick a fig on Shabbos, it's going to The tree itself will call out and say it's Shabbos. In other words, the world itself will feel and testify that there's only one reality, only Hashem. So again, going back, since legabe Hashem, it's not even possible the idea of going out of the one and only domain that everything belongs to Hashem. So the main malacha, that ultimate malacha of carrying outside domains is not shayich. Therefore, all the other Malachis are also not shayich by Hashem, we can't say that any of these would be considered melacha for Hashem, because again, all of the Malachis really are hinging on this one idea, not to make a chilul Shabbos, as we said before, not to take things out of the domain of the recognition that really Hashem echod. Says the Rebbe, generally all the matters of creation are divided into three general groups, which are also hinted in the three kind of domains of Shabbos. We have the category of Yonim of Kedusha, the things in which we act in a positive way, I say toiv. This is like the rishus those things that are in domain of Hashem. We have a second category, the opposite extreme: the things that are evil, the things that are asur, which this refers to as turi the mountains of separation. Then we deal with in the way of sur staying away from it. This is more like the rishus Harabib, the opposite of rishus hayachid, a place where there's multiplicity, where there's lots of other things chas v'shalom outside of Hashem. And then we have, of course, a third group, third category. In Yonir mundane things, which are an intermediary between the things that are mitzvah and between the things that are not allowed. The avoiding them will be one of the two ways. Either Kadesh Atzmocha B'Mutalach, either we sanctify ourselves even in those things that are permissible, so we try to stay away. So that will be one of the ways. Or we try to elevate them to Kedusha. Called So the Rebbe similarly is what happens in the domains of Shabbos. We have an area that's not a Rishos Yachid, not a Rishos HaRabim, it's a courtyard, which has a number of different houses there. Or a Mavoy, an alleyway with a number of different courtyards. Or a domain which is called a Carmelis and the like. Which these are domains which are between the Rishos Yachid and the Rishos HaRabim. And we make an Eirev, whether an Eruv Chatzairois, a Shetufa Mavoyis, and all these different types of things, we could make them into a proper Rishush ayachit. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand that the concept of an of Tchumin, and the idea of an of Chatzairois, really is one and the same. It's all about trying to increase, to extend the Rishush, the domain of Kedusha, the domain of the Yid, that on the one hand, beforehand, it was more limited in quantity, in the area and the space, and now through the Avoid of Eruv, we expanded, we extended the Rashus. Says so as the Rebbe, now we could go ahead and connect the two rules that Shimon gave us. the place that the Chachamim permitted for you, is something that was yours, which is really the din, the din which we discussed was Tchum The other thing we said was, that the only things they allowed you was things that were isurim the which as we said before, all the Yisurim of Shabbos, the Molochis of Shabbos, and that which comes out of it, which are the Yisurim of Din we said before is really going back to that one main of really carrying out from one domain to the other domain. So in other words, in both of these Dinim of Rav he's dealing really with the one and the same because we said already that the idea of Tchum Shabbos and the idea of all the Molochis which boil down to carrying out from one domain to the other, is really that same one akudah. Says the Rebbe especially that we see a certain common theme between the idea of Trum Shabbos and the general Isura which we call a Shvus. These of these extra things that we rest on Shabbos other than the Lamatas Molochis. And here too, the Rebbe says, we see an idea in the different kinds of dinim in three, three, three ways of looking at these dinim. In each one of them, and they and they match each other in quality and quantity. The Rebbe says, as far as Chum Shabbos, we have three opinions. Either, that, midoi raisa, two thousand amuis, that's adindoi raisa, you're not allowed to go out. The next opinion is, that midoi raisa, you're not allowed to go out, twelve mil. Whereas midrabanon, it's, you could only go out two thousand amuis. The third opinion is that the whole concept of Tchum Shabbos is all The same idea we really have regarding with these dinim of shavus, these extra resting on Shabbos. Either that the whole idea of shavus is mina the Toyra said Tishbois, and the Chachamim are explaining to us in which other areas we need a rest. Another way of looking at it is that there are certain Shavuz that are med and the Chachamim explain to them. And then there are some that are med And then there's a third way of looking at it, that really the whole concept of Shavuot is only Midra and when the Torah says Tishvois, the Chachamim are relying on what's called an Asmachto to give us other things, but not that these other things have any actual basis in Midra Yiso. So we compared, in the last section, we compared the general idea of Tchum Shabbos and not doing Melocha on Shabbos. Because in both of them, the general idea again is that we want to make sure that there's the Roshus HaKedusha, and if anything, we try to expand the rishu Sakdusha, not to allow in any negative influences, no Chilul, Shabbos, etc. But the Rebbe says the truth is there's a very, very big difference between them. In fact, they're even opposites of each other. That is, when we speak about the issue of malacha of Shabbos, the idea is that when a person does Melacha, Malachi is desecrating Shabbos. He's sort of making like a void. He's making a place where There's no room for the Kedusha of Shabbos. He's desecrating the Kedusha of Shabbos. In other words, when he does a Molochah, he's bringing in a negative force, a Klippa into Shabbos. What about the idea of going out of Chum Shabbos? Here, seemingly, it's the other way around. He's not bringing something mundane, something weekday into Shabbos. On the contrary, he's sort of taking out the idea of Shabbos into the place of Klippi. going out from the space of the Rishush from the place of the city, from the place of um, the Kedush the place. And he's going outside with that. As the Rebbe explains, every single year, even a Bur, even a total amaret, has the Kedusha of Shabbos inside of him. And when he goes out of the Tchum, out of the area of Kedusha, he's taking out with himself, he's taking out also the, the Kedusha of Shabbos to the outside place, to the place of Klippi's. So again, as opposed to before bringing klipa and negativity into Shabbos, here he's seemingly taking the Shabbos and trying to extend it into the place of the klipois. The Rebbe says we cannot compare this to the idea of toys with Shabbos, that we know is supposed to add to Shabbos, in the beginning of Shabbos and the end of Shabbos, in time. And seemingly, why shouldn't we say that just like you could add in time, maybe we could add Shabbos in space, we could take Shabbos and bring it outside the true Shabbos. So the Rebbe says, of course, it's very, very different. There the Torah is commanding us and giving us the Kayak to add from the weekday. The time that's close to Shabbos to add it to Shabbos and to transform it into Kedusha. Whereas here going outside the Tchum, of course we can't do that. And since he is in the place that's outside the Tchum of Kedusha, a place of Khlipois, this is a place where he can't bring in the Kedusha of Shabbos. Says the Rebbe, now we're going to come back to the point that we said before, that we're going to understand another reason why Rab Shimon says he should go back into the Tchum. So, says the Rebbe, from this we understand that this Isr of being outside the Tchum is going to be every moment you're outside the Tchum. That means it's not only the moment you crossed over the, the Tchum, the border, but rather as a result of the fact that you are outside the Tchum, the domain, the area of Kedusha, in a place where you're connected to Kalippa. So now we understand even better what Rav Shimon says, that if it's permissible in some way, then you should go back into the Tchum. You need to go back. So that you shouldn't remain in the place of klippus. Says the Rebbe in all of this, like all matters of Torah, there's a hero also in the general avoid of a person. The main Matthias of a Yid is of course as Just like Hashem himself is completely uplifted, exalted, and removed from all the idea of the source and everything in the creation of the worlds. To the extent that we say that the Asuramahmors, the 10 utterances with which Hashem created the world, compared to the king to Hashem, are considered millionaire,, they're like mundane things, simple things, words of a simpleton. So too is Yid; that a yid on his own is completely higher in the world. The Torah told him, Yomim Tavit, six days you shall work, do, it, get involved if you work and so on. And in this he's also similar to his creator. Just like Hashem had to contract himself, so to speak, to create the Elohim. So to Lahavdil, the person, the Adam, which is compared, Adam el is created in a way that he has to contract himself to get involved in the world. If so, we understand that the way the Yid gets involved in the mundane things, and the worldly things, is a great descent for him. But what's the essence of the Yid himself? That's Shabbos. He's completely resting. He's completely above the idea of these mundane work, and therefore, these two dinim of Shabbos: on the one hand, not doing melacha; on the and as well as not going out of the We have a very, very general hayirah in the conduct of the yid, or even during the weekdays, because in essence, again, a yid is Shabbos. What is the hayirah? So the Rebbe says, like this: the issur of not doing melacha on Shabbos. What does that mean in the conduct of the person? Is not bringing in worldly things into your mind, into your seichel. Rabbi says in Chassidus explains the moichin, the level of of, of your, the intellect, that's the level of Shabbos. That means to say that even though, yes, I need to get involved in the work, you don't have to get involved with your deepest and greatest koiches. You only use your external koiches for that, but not your higher and and inner capacities and capabilities. Because all of our highest faculties need to be completely designated and made holy for Torah and avoidah. As the Pesach says, It's the toil of your hands, but not the toil of your mind and your heart. When a person does bring in these mundane things into his mind, into his heart, into his Shabbos, he's making this void, this vacancy, this union of Chilul Shabbos, so to speak. He's making a hollow in the idea of Shabbos. He's making a place where there's a lack of missing of the feeling for godliness. Because if the person would really know that it's only the bracha of Hashem that makes you rich and doing business is only a keli for the bracha of Hashem as it says Hashem so Tasa, then you wouldn't put your head into the business. You wouldn't be trying to find all sorts of tactics and all sorts of things which are of no use because it's Hashem's bracha that makes you rich. And on the contrary all of this extra preoccupi- preoccupation in the business which is disturbing you from Torah and that's going to stop the person from being a proper keli for the bracha of Hashem. So that's point number one. Not to bring in all the negativity into your Shabbos. Again, Shabbos, meaning your seichel and so on, your highest koiches, and don't bring in your mundane things into there. That These inyadim have to be exclusive for your toida and avoida. Now the Rebbe says there's another point. Even if you didn't bring in your business into your Shabbos, you need to know there's another another caution, another warning. You're not allowed to go outside the tchum. What would this mean? That in the time of Shabbos, that means the time that you're spending on Torah and Mitzvahs, you need to make sure that even your most external koikhas are not going outside the Tchum. In other words, you don't take your feet, you don't take your external koikhas outside the union of Torah and Mitzvahs. That means the Torah and Mitzvahs have to permeate, that have to be involved in every single part of the person. And so too, when he's involved in tefillah and doing a Mitzvah, you have to be the whole person completely has to be there from head to toe. Don't allow yourself to walk outside that room. The Rebbe concludes the Sikha by saying, we said before that the last mission of the Erevin, is dealing with the din of a sheretz that was found in the Beis HaMikdash. That means to say that even after the person fulfilled all the herois of Masech Shabbos, Masech Erevin, he rested his mind from being involved in all the mundane things. And he was careful making sure that his feet are only found in the side of Kedusha. Nevertheless, there's still a possibility that sometimes there's a Sheretz in his Mikdash, a dead Sheretz. What's the idea of a Sheretz? A Sheretz means not a tumor that's coming from the person himself, it's coming from the outside, there's dead animal, there's dead rodent or whatever it is. In other words, since the world is not a purified place yet, because of the coarseness of the world, there's still a possibility that there could be a Sheretz in his own personal base. I mean, there's something had gotten in there, even though on his own, maybe he's not shy after this. And even though this tumor is not really his and, and it's not his fault seemingly, nevertheless, there's no argument. You definitely need to get rid of it. The question is only: How do you get rid of it? Do you get rid of it with your own with your own gartel, with your own piece of clothes? That means to say, do you get rid of the tumor by an avoid of really getting involved with it, with your levushim and others? You really clothed, you put yourself into it immediately, just getting involved with it. Even though there is a concept, as the Altarebbe tells us, "I'm um, mis'abik im'nuvol. Mis'navel gamkin." if you start dealing with a dirty person and fighting with him, you get dirty as well. Nevertheless, it might be worth it just not to allow the tumut to stay for another moment. That's opinion number one. But then there's another opinion that we need to be careful not to touch the sherets, even with our clothes. Go look for a wooden tongs and get rid of it. Or as it says in Tanya, just make yourself as if you don't hear it, as if you don't see it. Don't touch it. Don't get involved with it. And you need a special time when you could deal with these things. Because what's the reason? is the tumor. We don't want to get extra involved with the tumor. You don't want to get dirty through it. You don't want to get soiled through it. Even though, yes, it may take time because of that to get involved with the tikkun. at either way, says the Rebbe, and especially now, they're holding so close to Beis Hamoshiah, and Kolu Kalakits and all time frames and all time limits are up already. And Eina Davar Tali Ella tshuva and Tshuva, as we know, is B'shait Chado Berigachado. In one moment, and Tshuva may Av or transforms from Tamei to Toir. So now, definitely, says the Rebbe, it's the S'chus and the obligation for each and every one of us to get rid of the Ruach Atumah Menorot by spreading the Mayanu Schutzah. and to be quick, bring quicker. Ka'asi Mar B'Korayv Mamash.